9. Leave off her skirt entirely, wearing simply her blanket over one shoulder and about her body. Women wear breech cloths during the three or four days of menstruation, during the period when the water-soaked soil of the cementer is turned for transplanting poly the women engaged in such labor generally lay aside their skirts. Sometimes they retain a girdle and tuck an apron of camote leaves or of weeds under it before and behind. I have frequently come upon women entirely naked climbing up and down the steep, stone dikes of their cementers while weeding them, and also at the clay pits where Samoki women get their earth for making pottery. In May, 1903, it rained hard every afternoon for two or three hours in Bontoc Pueblo, and at such times the women out of doors uniformly removed their clothing. They worked in the fields and went from the fields to their dwellings nude, wearing on their heads while in the trail either their long, basket rain protector or a head covering of commote vines, under which repose their skirts in an effort to keep them dry. Sometimes while passing our house en route from the field to the Pueblo the women wore the girdle with the commote vine apron, called Pepe. Often no girdle was worn, but the women held a small bunch of leaves against the body in lieu of an attached apron. Sometimes. However, their hands were occupied with their burdens, and their nudity seemed not to trouble them in the least. The women remove their skirts, they say, because they usually possess only one at a time, and they prefer to go naked in the rain and while working in the wet cementers rather than sit in a wet skirt when they reach home. Few women in the Bontoc area wear jackets or waists. Those to the west, toward the province of Lepanto, frequently wear short ones, open in front without fastening and having quarter sleeves, those women also wear somewhat longer skirts than do the Bontoc women, in Agua, and nearby Pueblos to the west, and in Barlig and vicinity to the east, the women make and wear flayed bark jackets and skirts, from Barlig bark jackets for women come in trade to Tulubin, they are not simply sheets of bark, but the bark is strengthened by a coarse reinforcement of a warp sewed or quilted, Many of the women's skirts and girdles woven west of Bontoc Pueblo are made also of the Ilocano cotton. The skirts and girdles of Bontoc Pueblo and those found commonly eastward are entirely of integral production. Four varieties of plants yield the threads, the inner bark is gathered and then spun or twisted on the naked thigh under the palm of the hand see place LXXXII. All weaving in integral land is done by the woman with the simplest kind of loom, such as is scattered the world over among primitive people. It is well shown in place LXXXID, which is a photograph of the Lepantoidro loom. Implement and utensil production introduction It is only after one has brought together all the implements and utensils of an Idril Pueblo that he realizes the large part played in it by basket work. Word or basketry and pottery cut from the list of his productions The Idro's everyday laborers would be performed with their hands and crude sticks. Where is the Idro's stone age? There are stone hammers and stones used as anvils in the ironsmith's shop. There are stone troughs or bowls in most pig pens in which the animal's food is placed. Very rarely, as in the Quayongan area, one sees a large, flat stone supported a foot or two from the earth by other stones. It is used as a bench or table, but has no special purpose. There are whetstones for sharpening the steel spear and battle axe. There is the stone of the flint and steel fire machine and of course stones are employed as seats, in constructing terrace walls, in dams, and in the building of various inhabited structures, but that is all, there is no stone age no memory of it and, if the people were swept away today, tomorrow would reveal no trace of it, it is believed that the Idril is today as much in the stone age as he ever has been in his present land, 
He had little use for stone weapons, implements, or utensils before he manufactured in iron. Before he had iron he was essentially a user and maker of weapons, implements, utensils, and tools of wood. There are many vestiges of the wood age today, several show the use of wood for purposes usually thought of as solely within the sphere of stone and metal. Among these vestiges may be noted the bamboo knife used in circumcision, the sharp stick employed in the ceremonial killing of domestic hogs in Bangut, the bamboo instrument of ten or a dozen cutting blades used to shape and dress the hard, wooden spear shafts and battle axe handles, the use of bamboo spearheads attached to hardwood shafts, and the bamboo spikes stuck in trails to impale the enemy. In addition to the above uses of wood for cutting flesh and working wood there follow, in this and subsequent chapters. Enough data regarding the uses of wood to demonstrate that the wood age plays a large part in the life of a primitive people prior to the common use of metals. Without metals there was practically no occasion for the development of stone weapons and tools in a country with such woods as the bamboo, so in the Philippines we find an order of development different from that widespread in the temperate zones the stone age appears to be omitted. Wooden implements and utensils The KK Place LXI is one of the most indispensable wooden tools in Negro land. It is a hardwood implement from 5 to 7 feet long, sharpened to a dull, flat edge at one end, this end is fire-tempered to harden and bind the fibers, thus preventing splitting and excessive wear. The KK is obtained in the mountains in the vicinity of most pueblos, so it is seldom bought or sold. It is the soil-turning stick, used by both men and women in turning the earth in all irrigated cementers for rice and commodes. It is also employed in digging around and prying out rocks to be removed from cementers or needed for walls. It is spade, plow, pickaxe, and crowbar. A small percent of the KK is shod with an iron point, rendering them more efficient, especially in breaking up new or saw ground. The suwan, the woman's commode stick, is about two feet long and an inch in diameter place LXXV. It is a heavy, compact wood and is used by the woman until worn down 6 or 8 inches, when it usually becomes the property of a small girl for gathering wild plants for the family pigs. The suwan of the woman of Bontoc and Samoki comes, mostly in trade, from the mountains near Tulubin. It is employed in picking the earth loose in all unirrigated cementers, as those for commodes, millet, beans, and maize. It is also used to pick over the earth in commode cementers when the crop is gathered. Perhaps 1% of these sticks is shod with an iron point. Such an instrument is of genuine service in the rough, stony mountain lands, but is not so serviceable as the unshod stick in the irrigated cementers, because it cuts and bruises the vegetables. The most common wooden vessel in the Bantak area is the Kikwan, a vessel, or pail holding about 6 or 8 quarts. In it the cooked food of the pigs is mixed and carried to the animals. Every household has two or more of them, a few small. Poorly made wooden dishes, called chuyu, are found in each dwelling, from which the people eat broth of fish or other meats. All are of inferior workmanship and, in common with all things of wood made by the Igro, are the product of the man's art. Both the knife and fire are used to hollow out these bowls. A long-handled wooden dipper, called KOD, is found in every dwelling. It belongs with the kikwan, the pig food pail. Tagan is a large long-handled spoon used exclusively as a drinking dipper for the fermented liquor called asafoeng. Fanu is a wooden ladle employed in cooking foods. A few very crude eating spoons, about the size of the dessert spoon of America, are found in most dwellings. They are usually without ornament, and are called I choose. 
Metal implements and utensils The WSA is the only metal implement employed at all commonly in the area, it is found in each family. It consists of an iron, steel bent blade from an inch to an inch and a half in width and about six inches in length. It is attached to the short, wooden handle by a square haft inserted into the handle. Since the haft is square the implement may be instantly converted into either an axe with blade parallel to the handle or an adze with blade at right angle to the handle. This is the tool used in felling and cutting up all trees, and in getting out and dressing all timbers and boards. It is the sole carpenter tool, unless the man by chance possess a bolo. There are no metal agricultural implements in common use. As was noted earlier in the chapter, the soil turning stick and the woman's commode stick are now and then shod with iron, but they are rare. There are a few large, shallow Chinese iron boilers in the area, used especially for boiling sugar evaporating salt in mayonnaise, and for cooking carabao or large quantities of hog on ceremonial occasions. There are probably not more than two or three dozen such boilers in Bantan Pueblo, though they are becoming much more plentiful during the past three years since the Idril has more money and goes more often to Canon on the coast, where he buys them. Pottery Most of the pottery consumed in the Bantan area is the product of Samoki, the sister Pueblo of Bantan. Samoki pottery meets no competition down the river to the north until in the vicinity of Bitewagon, which makes and vents similar wear both up and down the river. To the south there is also competition, since Data makes and sells an excellent pot to Anadao, Fidelison, Sagadot, Titipan, and other nearby pueblos. It is probable, also, that Lias and Barlig, to the east, are supplied with pottery, and, if so, that their source is Bitewagon. But Bitewagon and Data Pots are really not competitors with those of Samoki, they rather supply areas which the Samoki potters cannot reach because of distance and the hostility of the people. There are no traditions clustering around pottery making in Samoki. The potters say they taught themselves, and have always made earthenware. Today Samoki pottery is made of two clays one a reddish-brown mineral dug from pits several feet deep on the hillside, shown in place LXXXII and the other a bluish mineral gathered from a shallow basin situated on the hillside nearer the river than the pits, and in which a little water stands much of the year. Formerly Samoki made pottery of only the brown clay, and she used cut grass intermixed for a temper, but she claims those earlier pots were too porous to blaze well. Consequently the experiment was made of adding the blue surface clay in which there is a considerable amount of fresh and decaying vegetable matter probably sufficient to give temper. Although the potters do not recognize it as such, Samoki consists of eight auto, one of which is Ikanga occupying the outer fringe of dwellings on the northwest side of the Pueblo. It is claimed that all of the women of Ikanga, whether married or single, are potters, even women who marry men of the Ikanga auto, and who come to that section of the Pueblo to live, learn and follow the potter's art. A few married women in other auto also manufacture pottery. They seem to be married daughters of Ikanga auto. A fine illustration of community industry is presented by the auto potters of Samoki. It could not be learned that there are any definite regulations, other than custom, demanding that all women of Ikanga manufacture pots, or any regulation which forces daughters of that auto to discontinue the art when they marry outside. But custom has fixed quite rigidly such a regulation, and though, as just stated, a few Ikanga women married into other auto of Samoki do manufacture pottery. Yet no Ikanga women married into other pueblos carry on the art. It may be argued that a lack of suitable clay has thwarted manufacture in other pueblos. 
but clay is common in the mountains of the area, and the sources of the materials used in Samoki are readily accessible to at least the Pueblo of Bontoc, where also there are many Samoki women living. The clay pits lie north of Samoki, between a quarter and a half of a mile distant, and the potters go to them in the early morning while the earth is moist, and dig and bring home the clays. The woman gathers half a transportation basket of each of the clays, and while at the pits crudely works both together into balls four or five inches in diameter. In this form the clay is carried to the Pueblo. All the pottery is manufactured in the shade of the potter's dwelling, and the first process is a thorough mixing of the two clays. The balls of the crudely mixed material are put into a small, wooden through, are slightly moistened, and then thoroughly worked with a wooden vessel. The potter crouching on her haunches or resting on her knees during the labors, she is shown in place LXXXIXA. After the clay is mixed it is manipulated in small handfuls, between the thumb and fingers, in order that all stones and coarse pieces of vegetable matter may be removed. When the mortarful has thus been handled it is ready for making pots. A mass of this clay, thoroughly mixed and plastic, is placed on a board on the earth before the kneeling or crouched potter. She pokes a hole in the top of this mass with thumbs and fingers, and quickly enlarges it. As soon as the opening is large enough to admit one hand it is dug out and enlarged by scraping with the ends of the fingers, and the clay so gathered is immediately built onto the upper rim of the mass. The inside is next further scraped and smoothed with the side of the forefinger. At this juncture a small mass of clay is rolled into a strip between the hands and placed on the upper edge of the shaping mass, completely encircling it. This roll is at once shaped by the hands into a crude, flaring rim. A few swift touches on the outer face of the crude pot removes protruding masses and roughly shapes the surface. The rim is moistened with water and smoothed inside and out by the hand and a short, round stick. This process is well illustrated in place XC. The first stage of manufacture is completed and the vessel is set in the sun with the rim of an old broken pot for a supporting base. In the course of a few hours the shaped and nearly completed rim of the pot becomes strong and set by the heat of the sunday however. The rough and irregular bowl has apparently retained relatively a larger amount of moisture and is in prime condition to be thinned, expanded, and given final form. The pot is now handled by the rim, which is sufficiently rigid for the purpose, and is turned about on its supporting base as is needed, or the base is turned about on the earth like a crude potter's wheel. A smooth discoidal stone some four or five inches in diameter, and a wooden paddle or the instruments used to shape the bowl. The paddle is first dipped in water and rubbed over one of the flattish surfaces of the stone slightly to moisten it, and is then beaten against the outer surface of the bowl, while the stone, tapped against the inner surface, prevents indenting or cracking, and, by offering a more or less non-resisting surface, assists in thinning and expanding the clay. After the upper part of the bowl has been thus completed the potter sits on her feet and haunches, with her knees thrust forward from her. Again and again she moistens her paddle and discoidal stone, and continues the spanking process until the entire bowl of the pot is shaped. It is then set in the sun to dry this time usually bottom side up. After it has thoroughly dried, both the inner and outer surfaces are carefully and patiently smoothed and polished with a small stone, commonly a ribbon agate. During this process all pebbles found protruding from the surface are removed and the pits are filled with new clay thoroughly smoothed in place, and the thickness of the pot is made more uniform. The vessel is again placed on its supporting base in the sunday and kept turned and tilted until it has become well dried and set.
two and sometimes three days are required to bring a pot thus far toward completion, though during the same time there are several equally completed by each potter, there remains yet the burning and glazing, Samoki burns her pots in the morning before sunrise, immediately on the outskirts of the Pueblo there is a large, gravelly place strewn with thin, black ash where for generations the potters coming and going have completed their primitive wear, usually two or more firings occur each week, and several women combine and burn their pots together, on the earth small stones are laid upon which one tier of vessels is placed, each lying upon its side, tier upon tier of pots is then placed above the first layer, each on its side and each supported by and supporting other pots, the heat is supplied by pine bark placed beneath and around the lower layer, the pile is entirely blanketed with dead grass tied in small bunches which has been gathered, prepared, and kept in the houses of the potters for the purpose, the grass retains its form long after the blaze and glow have ceased, and clings about the pile as a blanket, checking the wasteful radiation of heat and cutting out the drafts of air that would be disastrous to the heated clay, as this blanket of grass finally gives way here and there the attending potters replenish it with more bunches, the pile is fired about one hour, when sufficiently baked the pots are lifted from the fire by inserting in each a long pole, each potter then takes a vessel at a time, places it red hot on its supporting base on the earth before her, and immediately proceeds, with much care and labor, to glaze the rim and inside of the bowl, the glaze is a resin obtained in trade from barley, it is applied to the vessel from the end of a glazing stick sometimes a pole six or seven feet long, but usually about a yard in length, after the rim and inner surface of the bowl have been thoroughly glazed the potter begins on another vessel turning the last one over to one or two little girls, from four to six years of age, who find great happiness in smearing the outer surface of the now cooling and dull brown pot with resin held in bunches in the hands, this outer glaze, applied by the young apprentices, who, in play, are learning an art of their future womanhood is neither so thick nor so carefully laid as is the glaze of the rim and inner surface of the vessel. When the glazing is completed the pot is still too hot to be borne in the hands, however, the glaze has become rigid and hard. Analyses made at the Bureau of Government Laboratories, Manila, show that the clays used in the Samoki pots contain the following mineral, Analyses of Samoki Pottery Clays Minerals. Brown pit clay blue surface clay percent percent silica 54.4660.99 oxide of aluminum 16.77 ferric oxide of iron 11.149.53 oxide of calcium 0.530.59 loss by ignition 16.8110.65 oxide of magnesium trace trace oxide of potassium trace oxide of sodium trace carbon dioxide trace. The botanist of the Bureau of Government Laboratory says in the report of his analysis of the resin used to glaze these pots, this gum is known as Almasiga sp. It is produced by some species of the Dipterocarpus or Shoria which it is impossible to determine. It should not be confounded with the other common Almasiga from the trees of the genus Agathes. The government analyst who analyzed the clays and examined the finished and glazed pots says of the Samoki pot that about two-thirds of the organic matter in the clay is consumed in the baking or burning of the pot. The organic matter in the middle one-third of the wall of the pot is not consumed. The clay is a remarkably hard one and is difficult of ignition, this is the reason it makes good cooking vessels. He further says that the glaze is not a true glaze. It seems that the resin does nothing except lose its oils when applied to the red-hot pots and there is left on the surface the unconsumed carbon, 
Basket work All basket work is done by the men, much of the time when they are in the Thali or Pabathunan, gossiping and smoking. They are busied making the ordinary and necessary utensils of the field and dwelling. The basket work is all crude, with the possible exception of some of the hats worn by the men, as is brought forth later under the head of commerce. Much basket work is done by only one or two communities, and from them passes in trade over a large area. Most of the basket work of the area is of bijaka or bamboo. There are two varieties of bamboo used in the area ANIS and FIKA. ANIS is found in the area and FIKA is brought in in trade from the southwest. The most important piece of basket work is the Kimata, the man's transportation basket, made of ANIS bamboo, it is shown in place CXX, it is made by many pueblos, and is found throughout the area, it consists of two baskets joined firmly to a light, wooden crossbar called patang, the entire Kimata weighs about 5 pounds, and with it the Idro carries loads weighing as much as 100 pounds, the man has another basket called Kaolchut Cobb which is used frequently by him, also sometimes by women, for carrying earth when building the cementers. The Kaolchut Kaw is made in Bantak and Samoki. It is not shown in any of the illustrations, but is quite similar to the Tayyan, or large transportation basket of the woman, yet is slimmer. It is also similar in shape and size to the woman's transportation basket in Benga which is worn on the back supported by a headband. The woman has two important ANIS bamboo transportation baskets, which are constantly employed, one called Lutetium WA. The shallow lower basket shown in place LXXV, is made only in Samoki, the other Tayyan, shown in place XCII, holds about three pecks. It is made only in Bantak and Samoki. AGKA win is the small rump basket almost invariably worn by women when working in the irrigated cementera. It is of FIKA bamboo is made commonly in Bantak and Samoki, and occasionally in Tulubin. The field dweller often carries her lunch to the field in the AGKA win, and when she returns the basket is usually filled with crustaceans and mollusks picked up in the wet cementer or gathered in the river, or with weeds or grasses to be cooked as greens. The woman's rain protector, a scoop-shaped affair about 4 feet long, called Tug W.I., is said to be made only in Ambawan and Barlig. It consists of a double weave of coarse splints, between which is a waterproof layer of a large palm leaf. It is worn over the head, and is an excellent protection from the rain. It may well have been suggested to primitive man by the banana leaf, which I have repeatedly seen carried over the head and back by the Idro in many sections of northern Luzon during the rains. I have also seen it used many times in Manila by Tagalog who were caught out in a storm without an umbrella. The rain protector is shown lying in front of the house in place XXXVII. Taco Chug is the man's dirt scoop made of ANIS bamboo. It resembles the Tuck WI in shape, but is only about 1-1-2 feet long. It is employed in handling earth, and conveying the dirt to the Kaolchut Cobb, or dirt transportation basket. A basket very similar to Taco Chug, but called Sugify, is employed by the woman in her housework in handling vegetables. It is shown in place XCIV, containing commote pairings. The tupil is the man's dinner pail. It is made of ANIS bamboo, is a covered basket, and is constructed to contain from one and a half to three quarts of solid food. In it men and boys carry their lunch to the fields. All the pueblos make the tupil. Another basket, called sangai is generally employed in carrying the man's food. It is used for long trips from home, although I have seen it used simply for carrying the field lunch. 
It is made of bijakoinambawan, barley, and tulubin, and passes widely in the area through commerce. It is worn on the back, secured by bijako straps passing in front of the shoulders. Fangao is the sangai with a waterproof bijako covering. As it is worn on the back, the man appears to be wearing a cape made of hanging vegetable threads. This is the basket commonly known as the head basket, but it is used for carrying food, blankets, anything. On the trail, it is made in Ambawan, barley, and Kenyu, and is found pretty well scattered throughout the area. It is shown, front and back view, in place XCD. Thiasigang SA is an open work Bijuko basket, in shape very similar to the Sangai used to carry the Gang SA, or metal drum. It is worn slung on the back as is the Sangai house basket holding about a peck, called Falo KO, is made of ANIS bamboo. It is used in various capacities, for vegetables and cereals, in and about the house. It is made in all the pueblos and is shown in place XCID. A few other household baskets are often found. Among these are the large, bottle-shaped locust basket, I lose, a smaller basket, kale lug, of the same shape used to hold threshed rice, and the open work spoon basket, so long, which usually hangs over the fireplace in each dwelling, the large winnowing tray, ligo, shown bottom up in place XCII, is made in Samoki and Kenya of ANIS bamboo, there are two sizes of winnowing trays, both of which are employed everywhere in the area. Several small ANIS bamboo eating trays, called Kiyuchi, are shown in place XCID. These food dishes are used on ceremonial occasions, and some of them cannot be purchased. They are made in all pueblos. Samoki alone is said to make the rice sieve, called a Kiyuchi. It passes widely in the pueblo. Aside from these various basket utensils and implements there are the three kinds of fish traps described in the section on fishing. There are also three varieties of basket work hats. The rain hat called Segafi, is made in Bontoc, and may be an imitation of those worn nearer the western coast. This with the Suklang, the pocket hat always worn by the men and boys, and the Kulau, or sleeping hat, worn by children and adults of both sexes, are described under the head of clothing. Weapon production Idril weapons are few and relatively simple. The bow and arrow, used wherever the Negrito is in Luzon is not known to the Idril warrior of the Bantok culture area. Small boys in Bantok Pueblo make for themselves tiny bows one one two or two feet long with which they snap light arrows a few feet. But the instrument is of the crudest, merely a toy, and is a thing of the day. Being acquired from the culture of the Ilocano who live in the Pueblo, the Idril claim they never employed the bow and arrow, and, today at least, consider the question as to their ever using it as very foolish, since, they say, Pointing to the child's toy, it is nothing. In 1665-1668 Friar Consimiro Diaz wrote of the Idril that they used arrows, but it is believed his statement did not apply to the Bantok man. Idril-like people throughout northern Luzon commonly do not have this weapon, yet the large Tingian group of Abra, west and north of Bantok, and the Ibilao of southeastern Nueva Vizcaya, Nueva Asaja, and adjacent Isabella employed about constantly. The natural projectile weapon of the Negrito is the bow and arrow, that of the Malayan seems to be the blogan at present, however, largely replaced by the spear, though in some southern islands, especially in Paraguay, it has held its own. Wooden weapons shields are universally made and used by the Idro. They are made by the men of each pueblo, and are seldom bought or sold. They are cut from single pieces of wood, and are generally constructed of very light wood. 
though some are heavy, the hand grip is cut in the solid timber, is almost invariably made for the left hand, and will usually accommodate only three fingers the thumb and little finger remaining outside the grip and free to press forward the upper and lower ends of the shield, respectively, slamming it to glance a blow of a spear. Within the present boundary of Bontoc province there are three distinct patterns of wooden shields in use in three quite distinct culture areas. There is still another shield immediately beyond the western border of the province but which is believed to be produced also in the Bontoc area. First, is the shield of the Bontoc culture area. It is usually about three feet long and one foot wide, is blackened with a greasy soot. Though now and again one in original wood is seen, the upper part or chief of the shield is cut leaving three points projecting several inches above the solid field, the lower end or base is cut, leaving two points. Across both ends of the shield is a strengthening lace of bijuco, passing through perforations from front to back. The front surface of the shield is most prominent over the deep cut hand grip at the boss or fess point, toward which a wing approaches on both the dexter and sinister sides of the front of the shield, being carved slightly on the field. This is the usual Bontoc shield but some few have meaningless straight-line decorations cut in the field, in the Tinlayan culture area, immediately north of Bontoc. The usual shield is very similar to the above, except that various sections of both the face and back of the shield are of natural wood or are colored dull red. The strengthening of Bijuko lacings and the raised wings are also found. Still farther north is the Kalinga shield a slim, gracefully formed shield, differing from the typical Bontoc weapon chiefly in its more graceful outline. It is of a uniform black color and has the bijuco lacings the same as the others. The fourth variety, made at Bagnan, immediately across the Bontoc border, in Lepanto, and probably also made and certainly used near at hand in Bontoc, is quite similar to the Bontoc type but is smaller and cruder. It is uncolored, and on its front has crude drawings of snakes and frogs or perhaps men drawn with foot paint. The Nadi area, south of the Bontoc area, has a shield differing markedly from the others. It is longer, usually somewhat wider, and not cut at either end. The lower end is straight across at right angles to the sides, the upper end rises to a very obtuse angle at the middle. The front is usually much plainer than is that of the other shields mentioned. Throughout the Bontoc area there is a spear with a bamboo blade, entirely a wooden weapon. The spear is employed in warfare, and is losing its place only as iron becomes plentiful enough and cheap enough to substitute for the bamboo blades or heads. Even in sections in which iron spears are relatively common the wooden spear is used much in warfare, since spears thrown at an enemy are frequently lost. Sharp-pointed bamboo spikes are often stuck in the trails of war parties when they are returning from some foray in which they have been successful. These spikes are from about 6 inches in length, as among the 